The dawn of civilization. Primitive. Dangerous. Exciting. The handwriting is on the wall. If the human race is ever going to amount to anything, it needs... The most civilized caveman I have ever seen. Ah, look who's come out of his cave. Last time we did this, my, uh, my oldest son came into the room and was just like, super excited about the Octonauts movie and like continued to tell me about the whole thing. <laughs> oh my God. For about five minutes. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like trying to be like, buddy, buddy, can you just tell me about this later? <laughs> and I was like, all right, let, let's embrace the moment. Like this, man. like, this is my big story. son. This is my big break. I can't, I can't do this right now. So if anyone's just tuning in, we have Jonathan Frazier here with us today. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. No problem. Thanks for inviting me. Anytime. Um, so just for anyone who's listening who might not be familiar with you and your work, do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, I like to think of myself as just a, a musician from Huntington Beach who likes to dabble in a lot of things. Um, I did like acoustic folk music for like the first like maybe eight years of me doing this, but now it's gradually moved on to um, other genres, so such as metal or shoegaze or post rock or ambient so all those all those kinds of things so i try to it's a bunch of different stuff yeah i had to look through your uh, back catalog and uh listen to a bunch of stuff from all different dates and there's a lot of variety in there like honestly it blew my mind how many genres you've covered yeah thank you i had a lot of time on my hands <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean even within individual albums like if you look i'm just talking about your most recent one heaven is at a distance um Every song is so different. You go through a whole spectrum of different styles and influences in each track alone. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah, thank you. Um, I, put, I put a lot into that record. I put my heart and soul into that one particular thing. It was very, uh, very important to me. And, yeah, um, I read the, the, oh, sorry. Let me cut you off now. It's a time. Yeah, it had, to, it had to sound the way it did due to, like, what it was about and the subject matter and all that. That's what I was going to ask you. I read the uh, the album description, and it sounds like it was a very uh, a personal album for you that came pretty much well, the easiest way to say it's from the heart, really. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Um, so, for anyone who isn't familiar with the album, uh, Heaven Is at a Distance is the most. Re Actually, you had something in February, didn't you? So, uh, the Elise collabs that was your most recent uh, thing you've done. Um, it was the most recent thing I released, but it was recorded sometime beforehand okay okay so heaven is that distance is the most recent album um for anyone wants to check out that's on bandcamp uh spotify is it on apple music as well yes it's on all streaming platforms great yeah, yeah apple music is on spotify this morning yeah brendan um are you familiar with um with much of uh, jonathan's work or was it a more of a recent discovery like it was for me in the last few months uh, you know what? It was actually recent, and then um, come to find out, it was like a, another band that I was listening to that I found out recently that keeps popping up and like kind of um, like albums keep popping up together. Um, was uh, another band called Kulak. Um, but anyways, yeah, this recently, and I, I like it a lot, man. Like it's super. I listened to um, Mitzvah first. It was the first thing I listened to before I listened to the new one that you just released. And I, I was like, wow, man, this is really kind of nice and somber. Just like, you know, 
really sets out a great mood, you know, just super light. I don't know. It was just like beautiful in a way, you know? Um, and then I moved on and did some other albums and just, uh, yeah, everything. Um, sorry, I can't, for, uh, looking for the name of it right now. Um, it was just a little two splitter, uh, you did two songs. Seasonal depression. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I just listened to that. Like just before we all got together. Thank you. I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> no but problem. Yeah. That's really good. Oh, thank right, you very so much. For me as well, um, Heaven is Our Distance was the first thing of yours that I uh, had come across. Um, so that was my introduction to your music as well. And yeah, immediately I was like, wow, just <laughs> some uh, powerful stuff. I really, I really like the fact that the album is kind of like a journey that you go from complete despair and darkness into sort of a hope uh, and like a, a new lease on life by the end of it. Mm -hmm. That's... To me, I think it was sort of, I wanted it to be like an important lesson where even if you're in like the darkest part of your life, you can find, find your way out of it instead of, you know, just, you know, mellowing in it, which is, it's common with, I think with a lot of artists Well, they'll, they'll talk about a lot of struggles that they're going through, but they never talk about how they're going to get, how they're going to get past it or the, the hope of getting past it. Cause they, some, some just don't know how. Yeah, and you you seem to really be able to balance like darkness with light and like heaviness with uh, there's like a smoothness. There's a lot of the I guess duality um, in your music. Yeah, yeah, I want to try and incorporate both of those worlds whenever I'm I'm doing something. Particularly with this one, it was it was difficult because to me most of the, most of that record is very very um, dark and melancholic and just just full of despair stuff because of a lot of the things I'm t that are discussed and the parts that are like more hopeful to me are like the most important tracks. So like the last song, for example, that one is the will to exist, right? Yeah, correct. I have to say track four, that one blew me away. Vengeful burden. That, oh, yeah, uh, great. Yeah, that is a powerful, that, that track hits hard. You can hear the emotion, you know, and everything you do for sure. Like, definitely a very passionate musician, you know. Thank you. That's probably the closest I've ever gotten to like a, a scram song. <laughs> <laughs> that was with Jake Harris, right? Yes, correct. He's in a band called uh, Karas. It's they're an amazing band. I've been friends with him for years. Yeah, I actually checked them out after I heard that song he did with you. Um, so thank you for introducing me to that. They have some fantastic music. Yes, they do. Thank you. Glad you checked them out. Yeah. Well, what were you going to say about the will to exist? Oh, I was saying that that song particularly to me is like the most important song on the album because that's the point where you've pretty much processed everything that's happened to you and the things that the actions that you've done and it's coming to a point where all right, I don't want to be in this place anymore. I've realized what this has done to me. I have to move on to something. I have to mold myself into something better from all this. Cause I can't just, it's not, it's not sustainable to be in that place for the rest of your life. It's just not. Yeah. Uh, and the lyrics are amazing. You know, you can definitely hear it, read it, hear it. 
Wait, were you talking actually, about lyrics for like Vengeful Burning for like or for Will to Exist? I was talking about Will to Exist. That's what we're talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, you're talking about the narration at the end is what you're saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So those were actually taken from a short, sto short story. So I was – because I was originally not going to have any kind of vocals at the end because I, I hate my voice. <laughs> so – I want it, but then I found this short part, this like little batch of texts, and I decided to use that. It's from uh, the painted drum. It's from Luis Hendrique's uh, Hendrique. So that's where I got yeah. that from. Fit gotcha. really well, I think. So, yeah. So when you say you hate your voice, is that why you do um, generally why you do so many collaborations with? Uh, with all the artists to get those vocals on your uh, albums? Uh, for the most part, yeah. And it's also just, you know, I like to, I just like collaborating with people. I like experimenting. Um, well, for the well, longest time, my music was dominantly instrumental. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. It is. And it's really good. It's really well, you know, I was like, wow, like my wife would love these albums. Like these are like great. Like, you know, it's like they're really nice. Um, my goal has always been to, let the music um, speak for itself. It doesn't need, it doesn't need, you know, vocals. It doesn't need a voice. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, what instruments are you actually playing? Are you playing everything? I, for Heaven's Dead Distance or for? Well, for everything. Everything you make. I play guitar. Uh, yeah, I play everything. For Heaven is at a Distance, um, I did the guitars, the keyboards, I wrote the bass and the drum parts, and then they were fleshed out by the by Elias and uh, Brian. Nice. Yeah, but I do, but I, I do everything myself. I, I tend to record everything myself. If there's something that's just beyond my reach, I reach out to a friend or something to help me out. But I usually have the part written before uh, that happens. But yeah, you have the vision there. Okay, so so you have the execution. That's awesome, man. Yeah, you compose everything yourself, and then you just get people, hey, do you want to do this sort of role on this album or this track? Yes, exactly. Great. That's awesome. So everything is your vision? Correct. Wow. It's a lot of, uh, there's a lot, uh, you have a lot of vision with the number of uh, pieces you put out. That's impressive. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, so, um, what's been your favorite collaboration so far? Damn, it's like asking who your favorite child is. Um, I know. That's <laughs> kind of personal. You don't have to answer. No, well, um, <laughs> the one that comes to mind immediately is with City of Dawn, um, that album that we did in Mizbah. I'm yeah, very, very I, happy with that that record. To this, this morning. Yeah, um, me too, actually. Yeah, I'm friends with him. His name is Damien. He's he's a fantastic dude. He's helped. He's done a lot of great work with his project. Um, it's very soothing. It helps a lot of people who suffer from anxiety. That's the goal he's trying to set with a lot of his music. Yeah, so it's I can. Very, I can it's very tell noble. You. Yeah, it's great. I was uh, trying to deal with like an issue this morning, and I'm like, ah, oh, like this music is actually like perfect for what I need right now. And then like, you know, trying to like figure this whole thing out, and then I'm like, oh, all right, you know, what, it's the afternoon. I'm gonna have to switch some gears and like blast my eardrums for a minute or two, and then. Yeah, no, it's really nice. I'm telling you, it was really good and relaxing for sure. Um, yeah, it took like um, it took over a year to finally get it finished. So like, the title track Mizpah, yeah, 
we actually recorded that in 2019. Like okay. In the, like in the beginning of 2019. And we had a couple other songs that were in the works, but everything just got, we got busy with other stuff. So we actually didn't get back to recording any more stuff until the pandemic happened. Yeah. So since we had nothing else to do, we just decided, okay, let's just, let's finish it. So we put it all together and uh, turned out great. Nice. And uh, so that means um, uh, Mizpah is Hebrew for Watchtower. Um, is there more kind of like stuff going on with that album or like, is it? Well, it's actually the translation that we used for Mizpah. It actually translates to, hold on, let me look here. It's being, it's called being separate. It, it roughly translates to being separate. It, it's a meaningful thing to being separated by distance or death. Yeah. So it's an actually an old biblical term. So all the song titles here are like very, very old uh, biblical terms. Yeah. The one uh, that comes, well, you know, for, for the research that I did and whatnot. And um, my wife's Jewish, so it's, it's fun. You get to learn all this fun stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, it was more like, you know, it was like two pieces that were separate and then like they kind of come together in a way. So mm -hmm. it was kind of. So I was reading about. Nonetheless, yeah, it's getting a little boring for that. But um, yeah, that album is amazing and super beautiful for sure. Yes, thank you. Um, I, I kind of noticed looking back at your discography that a lot of, I'm not sure about all of them, but a lot of them essentially um, are either concept or themed albums. Is that something you always try to do with your work or is it just how it's kind of played out? Um, it's a bit of both. I think for my earlier stuff, there wasn't really much of a concept. It was just, you know, putting out songs and um, just putting out records and stuff. But gradually over time, um, it just kind of ended up being concepts because there was there were a lot of different things going on in my life during those time during those periods. Right. Yeah. Was I, so at I think the, the one... first. I think oh, the sorry. first album that was sorry, um, the first album where I really think. I started incorporating concept was like the lost smile. And then from then on, it, it became kind of like that. And what was the concept on that one? Um, so I, we had a good friend back in the East coast. His name was um, uncle Hank. We called him uncle Hank. Um, and he was known for having like this amazing smile and it almost never went away no matter what was going on. And he sadly passed away from, passed away from cancer, I believe. Oh, okay. So, the album was sort of supposed to be sort of a, a remembrance to him. Right. Okay. Well, and what about the one soundtrack to an American uh, Giallo? Am I pronouncing correctly Giallo? Or? Um, American Giallo. So that record was made to be a soundtrack to like a Giallo film that didn't exist. So okay. are you too familiar with Giallo films? No, no, I'm not. Okay. I'm so not. they were, so they're like, very old school Italian slasher films, like from the sixties and the seventies. Gotcha. And um, they're known for having like really emotive and amazing soundtracks. Hmm. So there's, there's a lot of tense scenes, but, so, but there's a lot of like very erotic scenes as well. So they're very, it's a very unique genre of film that doesn't, that unfortunately it's not really a thing anymore. Cause when slashers came to the scene, like that was, it was kind of obsolete. Yeah. But, but yeah. So, I think the first Jello I ever got into was uh, 
don't don't torture a duckling by Lucia Fulci. That was a really good one. Okay. So I went through I went through a phase where I was just like binge watching Giallo films. <laughs> I, I, I went through like a crazy phase of watching uh, Takashi Miike films. He's from uh, he's Japanese. Oh my god, amazing, amazing, just <laughs> over the top, amazing. What kind of films would, did he do? Uh, he did uh, one that I would suggest starting off with uh, is uh, Imprint. Uh, it was made for uh, TV, and then they actually banned it from TV. It was for the Masters of Horror TV series, and yeah, they 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 took his like no no can't do that. Uh, he Wait, did is Itchy that the, the killer? The episode that where a, is that the sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say he also did Itchy the Killer, um, Zebra Man. There's a bunch of – he did so many different things. It's uh, Izzo, um, just a lot of really cool, crazy, over-the-top stuff. Is it the Masters of Horror episode where that, that lady gets, like, uh, tortured? To, like, put, like, yeah. needles into her fingers and stuff? Yep, yep, yep. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. That was brutal. Yeah, so he does a lot of other crazy, awesome movies – he did one with um, Quentin Tarantino, um, uh, Sukiyaki Western Durango. Um, I, th- I think that's the name of it. I'm pretty sure. Had, um, yeah. Whoa. Just over the top stuff, man. Great. Like, it's just, it's awesome. <laughs> definitely check it out. I'm definitely going to check out that stuff that you're talking about. Um, sounds uh, fun. Yeah, I'll send you guys some recommendations once this is over. Yeah, I was gonna ask where is a good place to stream those to watch those. Um, there's a YouTube channel actually that has a lot. Of I was about to say I was gonna just go uh, YouTube it, see how it goes. Okay. Right. <laughs> I love like the the old school like like soundtrack stuff though. You know, like going back to what you're talking about originally, like just fun. It's just good stuff. Yeah. Well, they're all, they're just very they're just very emotive. You know, you can listen to them outside of the film and you can feel a bunch of different things while, while listening to it. So it's like it's like the same feeling I get when I listen to post-rock. Mm-hmm. There's, um, there's a whole new movement that I'm really massively a fan of. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, but there's a whole new sort of style of music that's based on spaghetti western soundtracks. Oh, really? Yeah, I've gotten really into that in the past 12 months. So basically it's, uh, it's like a... Country slash like stoner rock slash I guess post post rock um, fusion with spaghetti western soundtracks and there's all these modern bands just playing like a a take uh, an uh, paying homage I guess to a lot of those classic spaghetti western movies. <laughs> that's that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can link you some after this actually if you want to, if you want to check them out they're pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. go for it. Yeah, I, I just think it's kind of cool. There's, like, there's a new sort of, I don't know if it's a new genre, it might just be a new classification that people have come up with, but there's one, a style of music at the moment called cinematic rock. Have you heard of that? I feel like that I have, like post, but That I sounds like post-rock. It is yeah. post-rock. That's exactly what I thought when I saw it. But then, I mean, like it's, it's just like a very refined description, I guess, of post-rock of stuff that really does feel completely like a soundtrack. Um, okay. So I guess stuff like that, what you made on this album might be classified as that uh, cinematic, cinematic rock, um, potentially. Okay. So yeah, it's, it sounds like it was made by someone, that term was made by someone who didn't know what post-rock is at the time. That's what, yeah, <laughs> I kind of agree. Um, 
there's all these like little classifications that keep getting birthed by people. I'm like, dude, that, that already exists. It's just got this name. I've actually been getting into um, a lot of the future funk stuff. Have you listened to that? No, no. So basically, it's like um, it's like electro disco sort of stuff with Japanese lyrics. Oh wow! Um, they, they use a lot of sampling and stuff. So like, there's this one project called uh, Android Apartment that I've really been getting into. The songs are <laughs> so so infectious and catchy. A lot of people describe it as like Japanese city pop. Okay. That sounds interesting. I'm ready to check that out. It sounds it sounds super <laughs> cheesy. It sounds super cheesy, but it's really good. I, I'm gonna check it out later. I just wrote it down. <laughs> it's awesome. Mm. I love some of the more obscure stuff, and like there, there's all these weird niche genres from specific scenes around the world that are starting to be born. I think it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I actually kind of got into last year. I didn't even know about it until last year, but there's a whole um, experimental electronic and sort of noise uh, movement in East Africa. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, and there's some very cool stuff coming out of there. One of my top 10 albums of last year was actually an uh, experimental electronic and grindcore uh, album from, um, where was it? I want to say the, album, the label, I believe, is from Kenya. But I think they were from Uganda, possibly. I can't remember which. One of those countries. But yeah, fantastic stuff. Super experimental. And the cool thing is they keep the African drum beats in it. And then they have oh, ethnographic, rec- yeah, and ethnographic recordings of like tribal stuff as well played into it, which is really cool. Yeah, you never you never hear about stuff coming out of Africa regarding like um, underground music. So that's, that's I know, really right? cool. The couple yeah. that country's getting some representation. If you want to check out the label, it's called uh, Inyege Inyege Tapes. I think it's N Y E G E twice and then tapes. Um, and they put out a lot of really cool stuff. Okay, I'll make sure to check that out. Yeah, yeah, and then there's another one from uh, Northern Africa called um, uh, what's it called? They put out mostly psychedelic, uh, experimental like folk rock stuff. Um, Sahil Records, I think. Hang on a second, I'll get you the name. Um, I found them about three months ago. Uh, yeah. uh, Sahil Sounds, S A H E L Sounds. They just do African psychedelic stuff with a lot of folk instrumental stuff in, incorporated. Oh, nice. I'll link you that as well after the after the recording. I try to remember all this stuff, but yeah, some some interesting stuff to check out from a continent that doesn't get enough attention. I think. Yeah, because you know when you think of like experimental music, usually you think of like um, the U.S. or Europe, and that's kind mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and like you, you don't you see a lot of underground metal stuff coming out of South America, but you don't see too much experimental. So it's mostly like the thrash and black metal and black and death metal and stuff that comes out of there. But yeah. Yeah, you know, it's all about gent now. It's like all about gent now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, it's, uh, oh, I, I feel like the gents kind of died down a little bit in the last few years. There was that stage when Meshuggah was huge and you had bands like Periphery and all that at the forefront and people were just obsessed with gent for a while. Yeah, they were. I think it was like really popular in like, like 2015, 2016. Yeah, that's about then. Yeah, peaked and it's starting to it's starting to die out a little bit. So like the scene, I mean, I wouldn't even call it a scene, but a lot of the bands that you know that that are around me are like prog genty sort of bands. Okay. So it's it's Is, very it's very popular here. You're, <laughs> you're in Huntington Beach, right? <laughs> uh, correct. 
yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of in the same sort of area as you. Um, so I think, yeah, there's, there's quite a bit of that stuff. A lot of the guys I've met around here who are into like alternative music or into that sort of janty stuff. What I've seen. But, and that, like, that and Deathcore. I've met a lot of dudes who like Deathcore around here as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of Deathcore, Metalcore. There's um, some good Deathcore bands. Don't knock it. I'm not knocking it. I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Under Oath started out as a Deathcore band. Okay. <laughs> I always considered them emo. Well, like their first record was literally deathcore. It was like death metal mixed with, you know, hardcore. I honestly depression. wouldn't be able to tell you what uh, that that album is, but I know that uh, when I got into them and found them out, I was like, some, some screamo stuff. I gave them a couple of listens. I don't remember exactly what albums. I can tell you I'm a super fan. Um. <laughs> oh, okay. No, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved I loved them when I was a teenager. Yeah. I still like. I still. I'm still a big fan of them now. Their new record was pretty solid. I haven't. Um, I feel like I uh, put it on cue to like listen to, and I don't think I ever got around to it. It had a catchy title too for the name, like something about your teeth, or I can't remember. Um, maybe I'm thinking about a different band. I don't know, but um, yeah, yeah, on my album, teeth. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I've been meaning to check it out, and I just haven't yet. Okay. Yeah, they From have the- a um, huge back catalog, so they've they've jumped around genres a lot. But what's so funny is that people tend to know like the more emo, like hardcore, post hardcore metalcore thing of Under Oath. Yeah, maybe that's but what they're I, not. I, I found out yeah. about them, and I was like kind of past that stage in my life a little bit in a way you know like as far as genres was like that hour into yeah but the funny thing is that their first two records were like straight up like death metal black metal sort of stuff mixed with uh mixed with hardcore so a lot of people yeah. aren't i think i don't think a lot of people are aware of that and they're pretty i mean the second the second one's pretty good the first one's kind of cringe but <laughs> <laughs> Brendan, it's just kind of funny that uh, I, I literally just said, what a guy see like Deathcore? Like, don't knock Deathcore. <laughs> you have to be on the defensive for liking the genre, sorry. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, you were like, I, I know, I'm sorry. Just so used to defending yourself. Yeah. I'm not a huge <laughs> fan, I'm not a huge fan of it either. Um, no, I'm, there's I'm some not good songs, but there's a lot of I know you're not. I see... <laughs> For me, I, I came from like that hardcore background, like you know, like that was like the first kind of heavy music that I really got into. So it was like stemming from there. I was always into like I love that, like you know, being able to like throw down with a whole like sea of people screaming the same lyrics, you know, during the breakdown and just like throwing down, just having fun. And then then came along, you know, like deathcore. So then it was like, all right, they're adding a little bit more like craziness into the to the music here there's some more guitar over there there's this and that you know like oh this is fun that bass is heavy you know i don't know mm-hmm. i like it this is what it let, is let's add some tremolo picking to the breakdowns <laughs> <laughs> too complicated um right. no, the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no um i mean it's kind of funny how like your, your tastes change like that over time as well though like some things stick with you and some things you grow out of and then other things you've never liked and suddenly like it just clicks for you um, for me, you know, the genre slam, like brutal death metal slam. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, I always thought it was kind of dumb, uh, for the longest time. And then the last six months, something just clicked in my brain. I'm like, this is so much fun. 
because I think I was approaching it the wrong way. I was like looking at it from like, uh, I guess an autistic perspective being like, there's no progression and stuff. But if you just look at it as like, this is nonstop endless riffs and this super bouncy and high energy and just enjoy it without trying to pick it apart. It's, it's, it's one of the most enjoyable genres I've listened to recently. Like I just I find it so much fun. Yeah. It's, um, you find a new appreciation. I think when you get older, you just find new appreciations for things that you just yeah. didn't pick up on when you were when you were a kid. I exactly. remember when I was I remember when I was like a teenager, I hated rap music. I hated hip hop. I like hated everything about it and stuff. And to be fair, there was a lot of garbage that was coming out from it. But now mm -hmm. that, you know, now that I'm older, I'm I can learn to appreciate and enjoy a lot of um songs from that genre i you kind of i kind of have to look for it though yeah, to find, yeah. The really, find the really good stuff i love like the the, the good old-fashioned like you know the i was gonna say like maybe 2000s early definitive jacks era where you had like aesop rock and like those guys living legends and fun you know good like backpack rap i don't know how mm -hmm. else to describe it but yeah i hear you I was in the exact same boat as you where I, I, I hated hip hop for the longest time. And then maybe the last six or seven years, somewhere around there, um, I started discovering artists that I really liked within the genre. Uh, and now I absolutely love some hip hop artists, but it's, it's a genre where I kind of struggle to say that I love the genre overall as a whole, because it's just so much of it that I don't like, but there's, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of artists within it that I think are insanely talented and I listen to them all the time type thing. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. Like, yeah, I'll usually when I if the song is good, I'll listen to the instrumental of it. So it's like it's like okay, this song's good because I can because the what's playing underneath is awesome and the the vocals are really good. Like, yeah, I think it turned me on to finally turned me on to hip hop was <laughs> was Death Grips. Oh, I love Death Grips. That's, prob that's probably gonna piss off a lot of uh, hip hop heads, but that's really what's like. Oh wow, this is like a totally left field thing for it. And then I, I gradually no got into more traditional it. stuff. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Death Grips. I'm, I'm with you on that one. They're fantastic. Mm. It's uh, it's like it really blurs the boundaries between it being hip hop and being like experimental industrial. Yeah, correct. Okay. Um, and then like uh, bands like Clipping as well. Like those guys are pretty cool. They push a lot of boundaries. And you got like uh, Danny Brown, who makes a lot of interesting stuff. And like for me, I love Run the Jewels. So I just I love that boom bap, like really flowy stuff with the non-stop lyrical poetry but yeah i mean there's a lot of good stuff out there yeah there are but then i mean the thing that turned me off it was the radio play like the stuff you hear on the radio all day oh, every day. Yeah, it's, it's oh, just yeah. it's just garbage like 80 percent of it's just terrible yeah it is right. it's yeah 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 i remember when i was um when i was in high school like all they would play is like the radio stuff so yeah, when I was in it. when I was in wrestling, they would um yeah when I was in wrestling they would play almost nothing, play nothing but hip hop, and mm -hmm. it was just like I wanted to I wanted to like jam like a nail into my ears, it was, it was <laughs> yeah. so bad. And so when I would tell people when I would tell people it's like but this this, this is your music. Oh wow! People oh, said no. that. No. Yeah. They, oh they oh yeah they said that. Oh wow. <laughs> They're dumbass teenagers. What do you expect? Right, right, right. <laughs> what did they say when you told them what you were actually into? They were shocked. Like, you can't, how can you be into metal? 
remember when I first I remember when I first started telling people yeah I remember when I first started telling people that I made music myself I was like oh yeah dude send me your mixtape <laughs> oh boy <laughs> so yeah that was that was annoying thankfully now um I think people are more op- are are more understanding of people's taste and stuff they don't make us they don't make a lot of assumptions now so yeah man when you're yeah. when you're a kid you don't so yeah yeah it's just something you gotta it's just something you grow up from i feel like there are still some of those assumptions though because i was like i was at venice beach uh, two uh, three years ago and uh, you know those dudes at venice beach always handing out the mixtapes like uh everywhere you walk down the street they take buy my mixtape and stuff there was this guy know. oh really um if you if you go down venice beach like maybe not now with covid but um, before there's there's like a hundred dudes with mixtapes uh, there. It's like one of those spots where they will hustle them. Um, but there That's was cool. this guy. There was this guy there, and he's like, "Hey, check out my mixtape." I was like, "I'm good, thank you." He's like, "Wait, wait, wait, wait! Don't make assumptions. It's not hip hop." I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, I, I wasn't assuming that." <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah, I was like, "Well, what do you play?" He's like, "Oh, blues." And I was like, "Well, that's kind of cool, but..." Because you don't see many blues mixtapes, like you know, you don't see many guys like handing out blues CDs. But yeah, it was. It's just yeah, the guy just had, I guess, so many assumptions. People are like, I want the hip hop. <laughs> well, it's it's also I think when you say mixtape, people immediately think it's hip hop. Yeah, I think that's that's also an issue. I think some people just call their demo a mixtape. Right. Just call it a de- just call it a demo or just call it a tape. You know, yeah. Check out my tape. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, is it actually a tape or is it a CD? It was a CD. <laughs> oh, okay, never mind. Yeah, he was just calling it a mixtape, but it was a CD, <laughs> and it was blues. <laughs> okay. Was it yeah. was it good blues? Did you like it? No, I didn't buy it. I didn't have enough cash on me. But th- oh. there's another funny story about that. Was we, we were in New York, uh, my wife and I, uh, a few years back as well, and um, there was this guy who came up like aggressively hustling his mixtape, and this actually like there was a CD again, not a tape, but he called it a mixtape. Um, and, uh, we said, no, we're good. Thank you. And, uh, he immediately pulled the race card on my wife and said, why do you hate black people? And like, oh, Jesus. Whoa. My wife felt like uncomfortable and she's like, no, 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 no. I'll buy the mixtape. And she bought it. But I have it at home somewhere in a drawer here somewhere, but I guess that probably works. I guess on a lot of people. Maybe I don't know. That's, that must be his um, marketing that, strategy. Yeah, that's his marketing strategy, I guess. That was his go-to, and someone said no, like immediately. <laughs> I mean, that's a it's a douche, it's a dick thing to do, but it I guess it works. I seem to. <laughs> I mean, that's that's like the best. It seems like the best way nowadays to get your music heard is to be an asshole. Unfortunately, you have to be pushy. Yeah. And like, we, um, um, there was sorry. it's like what happened. Sorry, it's like what happened with that whole uh, cancel white artist thing that I did. Oh yeah, I saw that post. That was funny. Yeah, um, people legitimately thought I did that on purpose to get um, more people to listen to my record. And I'm gonna say right now, I'm not smart enough to come up with that. <laughs> so sorry, I missed I missed the post. What was uh, what was the post? So basically, um, it was April Fool's Day. Context. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> and basically what I said was, you know, cause there's a ton of people right now who are getting exposed for like abuse or um, they're saying something really stupid on social media or whatever. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, they're dominant. Most of them are like dominantly white. And so I said, well, these people cannot be redeemed. We give them too many chances. 
Um, we need to hold them to the highest amount of accountability. So we need to just get rid of them. <laughs> and it, it was like, we need to burn their CDs. It was like, yeah, it was like, burn their CDs, um, stop watching their shows, like get rid of their, get rid of things or whatever. Uh, give it to other people who um, it will mean more to. That sort of thing. It was like a very, it was like very extreme post. It was supposed to be like a satire. Yeah, and, um, yeah, yeah. Most people got it. Um, other people <laughs> didn't, and uh, that was really fun because I had people like unfollowing me and stuff. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, and then um, it got posted on this uh, this Twitter page called I Hypocrisy. Have you heard of that thing? No, I haven't. Oh, it's like it's like an alt right sort of page. Okay. And so there were like tons of comments from people on there that were like very um eyebrow raising oh, <laughs> to, <wow>. say, to <laughs> say the least. Like it was some of it was very concerning stuff. And one guy from the from the page actually came in like sent me a bunch of like crazy DMs. Wow and stuff. So I pretty much fucked with him for like the whole exchange. And then I finally <laughs> told him it was an April Fool's joke and he goes, Oh, sorry. <laughs> wow <laughs> so a lot of people exposed themselves that day yeah. which was kind of funny that seems to, to happen a lot on uh, social media with like musicians and artists who post something and then a lot of people will out themselves in the comment section um, about yeah. what their, their real views are um, like idiots that are like oh Rage against the machines of political. Oh, I can't believe it. You know, you're like, uh, what machine were they raging against? The, 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 the machine? Like, what the fuck? machine. <laughs> oh, there was someone. There was someone who. Sorry. There was someone who um, complained about uh, Godspeed, the new Godspeed record. It's like, yeah, it's it's too political, and I'm like, Godspeed is literally one of the most political bands out there. Yeah, I know. Expecting? People don't seem to pay attention to musicians that they listen to and what they actually sing about. Because I've seen that same comment about System of a Down, which is one of the most political bands out there as well, Reggie Against the Machine, and a bunch of other like super politically charged bands. Like, since when is it uh, about politics? Stick to playing the music. I'm like, that's literally what their music is about. Yeah, it translates to I don't like what you're saying, so therefore it's now political. That, that yeah, thing. yeah. Yeah, exactly. My mom been... doesn't understand this. This isn't about potatoes, right? Like, uh, do you do you listen to do either? You listen to Violet Cold at all? No, I don't know them. Oh, okay. So he's a um, black metal musician. He's from Azure. What? Violet. Violet Cold. Oh, they're from a country I literally never heard about until I heard them. Hold on a minute. I'm, let me look up. As, is it Azerbaijan? Azerbaijan, yeah. Okay. And he's very outspoken about his his politics and stuff, and so that ang it angers a lot of people in the comment section. So a lot of people um, expose themselves. Right. I mean, like it's not, it's a, not his music isn't political. Like he he himself is like very uh, outspoken about stuff. Okay, all right. But I remember like last year when um, there were like a, a bunch of different political causes going on last year. Obviously, as a big. It was a very political year. Um, and some labels and bands posted, not even like very controversial, just some kind of generic political stuff as, as they do. Um, like, the, you know, just the sharing, we support this cause type thing, the, uh, yeah. those sort of posts. And some of the comments, man, I just, I could not 
believe it's like how does something that basic trigger you that hard um and the number of times i just when people say stick to the music it's like i know <laughs> it's just crazy like like there are people you know that people can have an opinion outside of just playing music it's like you get to have an opinion on facebook because you're not a musician but they don't right. because they are exactly which is this kind of a kind of a weird double standard there well it's funny because these same people will complain that you can't say anything about offending someone <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It's <laughs> it's that whole uh, everyone but me is a snowflake. Everyone but me is a snowflake. But I, as soon as someone says anything that I don't like, I have a meltdown, like nuclear level meltdown on social yeah. media. <laughs> Whatever, yeah. snowflake. Right. <laughs> there needs to be like some like the everyone needs to have some self have some self reflection. And also get some help because <laughs> right, if something right. as small that is making you angry, then there's probably some other underlying issues. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand how something that a person you've never met on the internet that you've never even like seen or spoken to can destroy your entire week by them saying something you disagree with. It's kind of crazy, to be honest. I know. Because uh, they made you think. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's also, it's also social media. Yeah, a lot definitely. of it. A lot of it is Twitter. Do you know what? Yeah. I'm gonna let you know that my social media habits have changed so much since um, the political year's been over and someone's been barred from you know social media. I, I just I actually see people I enjoy. I actually see like you know things I enjoy now. You know, instead of just all this negative bombardments. You know, like. Yeah, the, the landscape has definitely changed since things politically changed. Um, yeah, the whole, the whole vibe of the internet feels different, to be honest, to some extent. Yeah, for the most part, um, maybe it's just me because the group, the groups that I am in, are very like outspoken about a lot of things. Okay, so of course. I still see a lot of that. Um, it seems like there's less bullshit now, which is nice. Less false information as well, a little bit less. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe it's just that it's not as maybe it's just the pages I follow aren't sharing that stuff as much. It could be that too. It's right, right. That's possible. The algorithms, man. Yeah, the algorithm <laughs> is algorithm. Algorithms are trash. Like there are websites now where they will intentionally clickbait the title to anger people because yeah. then they'll yep. click it and they'll make money. Yep, and then there's like something completely different in the actual article that they're taking <laughs> a phrase out of context completely. Yeah, there was um there was one that comicbook.com did. It was on um I think it was Frosty the Snowman, I'm not entirely sure. And also it's like people are now looking at Frosty the Snowman and they realize um they noticed something that they hadn't noticed before. Or yeah. if you go to the comment section, it's people complaining about like cancel culture or whatever. It's like, <laughs> oh my god, you're getting offended about a kid's show now. But if you actually read the article, um it's talking about the fact that the kids were wearing shorts during the winter. Oh, people didn't even read it. So they just they didn't assumed. even read it. <laughs> oh my god! So there there was this media experiment uh, in Australia two weeks ago. I'm from Australia, as you might not know. Um, oh. So I'm from New Zealand originally, but I spent like a decade in Australia, basically. Um, and uh, there's this political satire group there called the Chaser, um, and they they're very outspoken, uh, like political news thing. But they do a lot of pranks and like publicity stunts and stuff. And they ran a test to see how stupid people in the media were, or how people, how stupid people were following the media. So there's this bread in Australia called fairy bread, 
um, which is a children's snack, which is it's a piece of bread with butter on it. And then um, I don't know what you call them here. We call them hundreds and thousands of those little uh, sprinkles, like little balls that you put on ice cream and stuff. Um, like jimmies or freaking sprinkles? Jimmies, but they're the little round balls instead of the, like the, long, the thin, long, thin ones. Um, okay. So, yeah, that's called fairy bread. It's like a national icon in Australia. It's this whole thing that everyone has at every children's party. And they decided to see if they could outrage people by saying it was being cancelled because of the word fairy, saying it's got a homosexual context. So they, <laughs> they, made, they made this fake profile. There's this website apparently you can use that generates people's faces that don't actually exist. So it, take, it, it takes wow. like you know, components of people's faces and makes a face that is an amalgamation of like 10 or 15 different ones. So it's not a real face, but it looks like a real person. So no one can track them down. Um, and they used that and they chose the name of an Ikea chair and, and named the person's profile that. And then just started gaining followers, this fake profile. And then after they had like a thousand something followers, they shared this fake article that this person wrote saying that they were canceling fairy bread for cancel culture. <laughs> and <laughs> within like a week, they had like talk show hosts reaching out to them and stuff. And so they got this this woman from their office to do a fake interview on this talk show pretending to be this woman. And it went like viral. And then within five, within like 24 hours, people had figured out it was them. And the whole story blew up that they had faked it. Oh. But I guess that people in the media didn't do a basic Google search and ran the story anyway a week later. Like every single news site in Australia, basically, even though it had come out like four or five days prior that it was them pulling a prank. That is ingenious. Oh my God. <sighs> yep. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty funny. I was laughing pretty hard. And like they, they did a response video afterwards and like basically no one in the media in Australia knows how to use Google. <laughs> <That's pretty funny>. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're just like, did you hear about this? Write it down. Yeah. It's like the biggest game of telephone, you know, but with a country. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah it was, it was pretty I have a lot funny. of friends from australia so i'm gonna have to ask i'm gonna have to ask them about this <laughs> yeah just ask them about the chase of fairy bread incident and they should be able to tell you about it, it got, I, I mean i heard about it all the way over here in the u.s so they should have heard about it oh my god that is, that is hysterical that is that is crazy <laughs> <laughs> they pulled some pretty outrageous stuff like um when they had what is the summit? I think it's the G12 summit, that one with all the meetings of the nations. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they made it all the way to the uh, building um, where the summit was being held, pretending to be security. And they just had like a fake laminated pass that they made up. And they got through like every security checkpoint. And they had a guy dressed as Osama bin Laden inside the limousine that they were escorting. Oh, um, and they made it to the building and they were going to go inside. They're like, actually, this has gone way too far. We did not expect to get this far. And if we go inside, we might get shot. So they, <laughs> they ended up like bailing and pulling out of the, the conference. But yeah, they made it like all the way into the building with like all the dignitaries and stuff with no real security checks. That's crazy. <laughs> with my with my prank, um, I make it so I have it. I don't reveal until like in the evening or so. Um it felt like there was like so much tension going on because people didn't, there were a lot of people who just didn't know that it was a prank. It's like, is this a joke? Is this a joke? Cause he hasn't said anything. <laughs> and then, and then finally it got to the point. It's like, okay, I got to say something before, you know, I get, blocked yeah, this could turn bad. Yeah. 
And then when you did say it was a joke, did everyone kind of relax or there's still people being like upset about it? Um, no, everyone's like, oh my God, that was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, people were, people like get messaging me like, oh dude, that was, that joke was amazing. That was just like, that made my day. And um, some people was like, you know, why don't we actually do it? <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> um, I think some of them actually agreed with like the initial concept of giving like more giving a platform to more um, marginalized artists. Right. Um, the Ooh, they deserve feed, a platform, but marginalized artists like they need to get out there, man. Like they should be heard, listened to. Why not? Yeah, and I agree with that. And then um, the Twitter page. Some people were saying like, "Well, this sounds more like a real opinion dressed up as a joke." And I'm like, motherfuckers, there's no hope <laughs> for you. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> ding, ding, ding. you won the t-shirt. <laughs> exactly. But it's like, it's one of those things with marginalized artists where sometimes when people try to like do more for them, people call it reverse racism, you know, that whole concept. Yeah, or, oh, I saw, yeah exactly. I saw a thing the other day where someone who was hosting a music festival said they had like four slots left and they'd like to give them to minority bands. So people of, you know, minority backgrounds, and people got so upset in the comments. Like, why would you do that? It should be based on the talent of the music. Like, it should be an America's <laughs> thing and stuff. I'm like, dude, it's his music festival. If he wants to, like, use that as a platform to support people who, who don't have much as much exposure, then it's no one's business. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like give, maybe he's giving it to talented, marginalized artists. Exactly. Yeah, you're exactly. You're basically, you're basically assuming that, you know, any artist that isn't white doesn't have talent. Yeah, Exactly. It's like, I mean, if, yeah. like that—that's—that's—that's that's what you—that's what people, most people are going to take from that, at least. That's what it—that's what's implied. Maybe that's not yeah. what you meant, but. No, that, that's how, that's definitely how it comes across. Like, assuming that oh, they're just going to get it out, like because it's, it's a charity case. I'm like, no, <laughs> you didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's so it's so crazy it's so crazy now. It's like. You know, there's a lot of artists, a lot of very talented musicians out there who I think deserve more exposure. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of people will say they need more exposure, but when they finally are given the opportunity for exposure, they turn around on them and they say, "Oh, they're just doing it because they're yeah, they're, they're they're back or whatever." It's a, it's an agenda. It's an agenda. It's like, what do you people want? What do you people want? Yeah, yeah, yeah kind of both ways. You can't call yeah. for the exposure and then say, "Oh, well, they're treating them with bias," like by giving them exposure. Yeah. I've been lucky enough to not have gotten that kind of treatment or whatever, but but also I haven't been put on any like large bills, so remains remains right. to be seen, I guess. Oh, so that's something I did want to ask you as well. Um, live shows? Are you, do you perform live? I didn't perform live for the longest time. I started performing live after uh, Stendhal Tragedy of the Journeyman came out. Mm-hmm. So I got a band. I. I got a band together. Um, it was very, it was very difficult to do to find the right musicians, but I was finally able to find some really good ones. And we played a few, sh- we played a few shows. Um, I was gonna play some, I was gonna play some more with Heaven's That Distance that came out, but due to the pandemic, uh, that got shut down, which, which really, really sucked, because I had a like a whole, I had a whole release show planned. Mm-hmm. Like I was going to do a release show and I was thinking about maybe doing a tour or something like that. And it just, it, it all just, it all Gone. just stopped. Would that have been your first tour uh, that you've done? Well, if it had happened. Yeah. Yeah. 
because I'm broke. So I don't know how it would have, how it would have happened. It's just something because I'd like to try a tour just to you know say I did it and have the experience. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah playing live is amazing. Um, I remember the first sh- I remember the first show I played with a band. It was at a tiki bar in Costa Mesa, and uh, we got there was like 20 people there. But it was that was a that's a large crowd in my eyes because that's like the most I ever gotten at that point, and um, we had a great time. I got the crowd to mosh at one point, which was awesome. Wow, <laughs> we just had we just, we had an awesome time, and that was that was um, it's like that was made my night. It was it was great, and then um, there was another one that stuck out was I played at Gothard Sound, and I played with uh, Maximilian Gonzalez. Uh, Drawlet, um, Catharsism, and Wizrobe. Okay. And uh, I organized the whole show. I organized the whole show. We got a good amount of people out there. Like the whole – because we did it in like, in like a rehearsal room, and the room was just packed with people. Like there were people who had to wait out – like be out in the hallway just to – so they had a hard time seeing stuff. But that was, that was, that was amazing. I think that was the last show I did actually. Was that the when was that? No, it, wasn't, it wasn't the last. It wasn't the last show I did. Oh, okay. I, I was going to ask you. That was probably the best one I played. When was your last show? What was the last thing you played? Do you remember? Let me think here. Um, I believe it was at Tiki Bar. I played with Wizrobe and another band. I'm blanking on their their name right now. So it was. Yeah, it was. It was that one. It was either that or a Halloween show. I also played there. Okay, and how long ago was that? Like start of the pandemic type thing, or no? That was back in like twenty nineteen. That was like back in twenty nineteen. Yeah, oh, nineteen. Over. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the plan is, once this whole thing's over, I'm going to play as many shows as I can. There were a lot of places in my city that I wanted to play, but um, since they're violating COVID guidelines, I'm not going to anymore. Uh, right. Right. I mean, hopefully, I mean, things seem to start. Thing to in California slowly starting to come back to life as far as those yeah, sort of things go. Yeah, yeah, I'm cynical about that. Well, here's hoping. I mean, they they yeah. they're authorizing sale of um, festival tickets from September onwards. Um, like, I but, hope they happen. I just want to. I just I'm just hoping that it's safe. That's just my, yeah. That's my concern. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean well, well, people are getting vaccinated and. People feel safe, and it's just all about your comfortability, too. You know, like mm-hmm. if you don't feel safe going somewhere, like you're gonna get sick. You know, maybe mm-hmm. stay home. I mean, it could be it could be the case of maybe uh, if it's like a, a closed venue, not an open area thing, that people can't just walk in. That venues have that you have to show you are vaccinated to enter, type thing. I mean, that's one way of you know keeping it relatively safe. Yeah. But I mean, who knows? I, I have no idea how things are going to play out. We'll we'll see what happens, I guess. Yeah, yeah let's hope I, let's hope for the best. Yes, yeah, I agree. I uh, I haven't been to a live show since. Oh, when was your uh, last live show? What was your last live show? At both of you. Um, for me, it was. Fuck. Um, I saw Cult of Luna, Emma Ruth Rundle, and Intronaut, and it was at. Nice. It was at this venue. It was at this venue in LA. I can't. I don't remember the name. Crap. But that was an amazing show. That's one of my favorite. That's one of my. That was one of my favorite shows, actually. That would have been awesome. Emma with Rundle. I only came into her last year, but she's she's good. Yeah, and that was like right before the lockdown happened. 
So yeah, it was like, okay, let's go to this one, but then it's, that's it. Yeah. For me, it was February last year and it was uh, obituary playing uh, cause of death in full. Oh, nice. Which is, that was pretty awesome. Um, uh, I'm glad, yeah. glad I saw that. I saw, um, Ohm play, uh, just, nice. it was just, Ohm. it was like so much fun. Uh, I love that band. for like an hour and a half. And it was just great. So three of their songs. In March. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when like they got on, like, like 20 minutes before they got on, they had like this like drone just playing like this, a zoom, zoom, you know, and you're just like, what's going on? And then, you know, they walk on stage and everyone screams. They're like, oh my God, it's hell. Yeah. You know, and then, um, yeah, it's yeah. It was a good time. It was really good. But yeah, it was like years? literally like a couple like the week before uh lockdown started, at least for Connecticut. How many uh, people are in on now? Is it three or four? Uh I was three people when I saw. Okay. Yeah, it's because the lineup changed with the last two albums, didn't it? Or two or three albums. They changed lineups a little while back. I'm not positive on that history, um, but I do know that it was, yeah, it was three people and it was, it was really cool. It was really awesome. It was a great night. Miss show so much. Yeah, man. Like, I know. I think for a lot of people, that's what, keep, that's what keeps them going. It's just that mm-hmm. energy and all that, that atmosphere. Oh, I know, man. I have friends that love going to like music festivals where they're like, you know, jam bands and DJs and shit and then like all kinds of stuff and then, you know, prog rock bands. And then, you know, they, I have friends that are like literally like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> it's like a drug. It is. Yeah. It feels like a whole piece of our life is missing. It's exactly. It's, well, think about like, you know, art is what you see, but like music is what you decorate your, your, your time with. You know what I mean? Like. It, yeah, exactly. It, it's, it's super important. And I listen to music all the time, whether it's, Something I truly like, you know, I'm digging where it's something brand new or like, you know, something from the seventies, something from the, you know, it just, it does music's so important. And like, uh, I I feel like live shows is some, like there's something you can never capture listening to music by yourself, which is the sense of community. Exactly. Um, But like going to a live show, it's like all these people in this room have a similar interest to me and we share a lot of the same, you know, the same views on things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, They're my people. Um, yeah, it's the easiest way to put it. Like, there was a guy who came into my work the other day and he had a nail shirt on. I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, man. I, I love that stuff, dude. Like, I, was I in, just I was the, to nails the other day. Oh, man. I was at the grocery store the other day wearing uh, an Entomb shirt. It was the day that, um, what's his name? Uh, LG passed away. Um, and I was wearing an Entomb shirt at the grocery store. And this middle aged lady came up to me and she's like, it's really sad what happened to him. And I was like, I know, right? And we had this whole conversation about him too. And I was like, I just love the fact that you run into people um, and struck up conversations about it's just based on someone wearing a shirt. Yep. Yeah. yeah well, it's like it's it's like one of your it's like your people. It's like one of yeah. your own. Exactly. And you you immediately have that connection with them without ever meeting them because you have that shared interest. Yep. Exactly. There because- was um there are times where I've worn like my Joy Division shirt and I have like middle aged people come up to me. It's like, oh yeah, I remember them. <laughs> they're amazing they were amazing back in the day that's awesome uh, that's so true man i mean like because you have a choice to what you like 
you know, like decorate your time with in a way, you know? So it's like when you see someone with like, you know, a respective shirt or a band or even a genre, you're just like, oh yeah, buddy, what's up? High five, you know, like this instant camaraderie, you know, it's. I'm uh, I'm one of those people as well. If I see someone with a good bad shit, I will just straight up tell them, even if I don't know who they are. Um, and most people are like, thanks man. Like same to you, but some people are kind of weird about it. Like, um, like why is this person talking to me? I'm like, it's pretty normal to compliment someone on a good bad shit. I, th- I think so, at least. I don't think there's anything weird about yeah. that. It's also been like COVID for a year, so everyone's like, people, someone I know, I, you, you like that too? You know? Yeah. That's, I guess and then the other portion of people like COVID don't come near me. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. right, right. It's like a, a social distance high five. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dude. High, five, high five in spirit. Exactly. Right. <laughs> um, Brendan, I know you have some time constraints with having to pick up your kids. So oh, if, if, I'm good. Okay. Right You're okay? Now. Oh, good. Okay. I just want to make sure. Um, 3.45 is my cutoff. Oh, okay. Yeah, heaps of time. Sorry. I just wanted to make sure you weren't running late or anything. No, no. Um, no. I know that you had a couple of questions you did want to ask. Um, the ones that you, you always – so Brendan has these questions he likes to always go through in every interview. They're kind of the fun ones. Um so I'll let him quickly go through those. Okay. That was a fun tangent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Definitely. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, uh, so I kind of went over a little bit, some of it earlier, but um, uh, let's say, let's, like, well, if you could do, like, what's your dream collaboration? Like, if, like since you've been, like, you know, like experimenting with new music and this and that, like, if you can make, like, a, an album, you know, with everybody you could think of, you know, like, have, have you got something like that envisioned? Um, that's, that's, that's a very hard one. Sorry. <laughs> um, I said, this, I, I already said this earlier, but there's so many artists that I enjoy listening to that I would love to one day collab with. Um, if it was like acoustic stuff, maybe like Anthony green. Yeah. Well, I did, you know, there's like so many, like, well, like listening to your music, you know, you've got a lot of acoustic, um instrumentals going on you have like you know and with your new um kind of like evolving sound like there's just so much that you could do with old sound and new sound and even combining everything exactly um if i was if i were to do another black metal record maybe have tris do the vocals (laughs) i don't know he's quit music so i don't think he will So who's who's that? I, I don't think I'm not sure if I know that musician. Oh, so he's a he was like a DSBM artist from like the Czech Republic. He was really okay. popular in like the mid mid to mid to mid two thousands. Right, on. Tr- I, I yeah, I, gotta, I don't, I'm not familiar. I mean, I might have heard his music, but his vocals are kind of like something you're looking for. Yeah, well, it's like it's like these tortured howl scream stuff. Yeah. I I actually love DSPM. It's one of my favorite um, like subgenres of black metal. I just haven't heard of this artist. I'm gonna have to check them out. I'm just having a look now. They look interesting. Yeah, I w- I went through like a huge DSPM phase when I was in when I was a teenager, and I was like an I was like I became like an edgy asshole because of it. But <laughs> it was um it was a really great time. I got I got into like all these great bands like Happy Days, Hypothermia, uh, oh, Life Lover, mm-hmm. uh, Trist, Corium. Life Lover is so much fun. I love that band. Yeah, they're great. And uh, do you know Psychonaut 4? I've heard of them. Yeah, they're pretty awesome as well. 
I remember um, it was on Reddit. They made a post that said, um, we hope one day you never ha- you don't have to listen to our music anymore because you're in a better place in your life. It's like, <laughs> that is like the nicest thing I've ever seen a black metal band say. <laughs> it's, like, that's so, it's like, oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> right on. But, um, so you got him for vocals. Is, is there anybody else you would like to, you know, like kind of do for, um, you, know, you know, like the softer side? Like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think here. Um, maybe Tom York. I don't know. <laughs> oh, interesting choice. Are you ready, head yeah. fan? I do like some of their stuff. Yeah, I think Tom York has a very uh, beautiful voice. I'm blanking right now because I listen to so much. I listen to so many artists that it's hard. It's difficult to keep track. Yeah, and the question's like, kind of like more. a. Like that question kind of catches you off guard as well. Like, hey, if you go with yeah. anyone that you on earth, who would it be? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, I was doing harder stuff like the vocals from Loma Prieta, like Sean, because they were like my favorite screamo band. So mm-hmm. obviously, I'd want him to. I'd love to collaborate with him. Um, I'd love. I actually love to do a collaboration with the vocalist from uh, the Drowned God. Have you heard of them? I've heard of them, but I haven't listened to them. Yeah, their new record's pretty good. Um, but his, their their vocalist Cody, he's a he's a beast. Like he, he can do all these different kinds of styles, so I'd love to maybe collab with him someday. Nice. Uh, what's got, your uh, oh, sorry, what I was gonna say, I got a lot of notes and things I have to look up after this interview. I know, yeah. I got John Bob, <laughs> Android Apartment, and uh, Violet Cloak here for sure. Yeah, Violet Cold, oh, Colt, Jesus, I'm no, D, cold with a, with a D, like the winter, yeah. Gotcha. I'm glad I said that, I've been searching forever. oh that's funny um so uh, what's your uh what's your favorite um your artist like like who do you like to like you know it's a lazy sunday what do you what do you listen to Hmm. i've been listening to um a lot of Dreamwell recently they're like an up-and-coming screamo band. All right. Yeah, I'm friends with their uh, guitarist Aki. Other than other than that, it just really it just really depends. Um, I've been really getting into the uh, into Ohava, so I tend to blast them a lot during days or on the weekends. Have you heard of them, Ohava? No, I haven't. Is it O H A V A? O L H A V A. Oh. O L H A V A. Okay. Another thing for the list. Yes. Yes, sir. Yeah. Definitely. Um, sometimes if I'm if I want to listen to something mellow, I'll play the the caretaker. Oh wow, that's a challenging lesson sometimes. Yeah. Everyone at the end of time, I I listened to that record in bed actually. So I went to bed. I went to bed at like I think maybe twelve o'clock. Mm-hmm. And I listened to the whole thing, and it ended at six in the morning. So wow. when we woke up, that very last section of the album played. So it felt it felt very uh, fitting. So, but I would wake up in and out of sleep, and all this crazy, all this crazy shit would be happening. <laughs> that album is like it's something else. 
Yeah, I've, it's so it's so unique. You can't even like put a genre on it. Nope. You really can't. Um, but it's genuinely like some parts are genuinely nice to listen to. Like, um, like the first and third uh, sections are like my favorite. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly, but didn't he say that um, part of the idea of it was to sort of simulate uh, dementia to some extent? Like, yeah, you that's, lose track that's of, the whole concept. Yeah, you lose track of what you've heard and because things repeat and stuff or sound very similar to stuff that's already happened. And so you have to listen to the whole six hours and you lose track of time and memory and all that stuff. Yeah. It's uh, right. it's such, it's so crazy. It's such a unique concept. I've never heard of. I've never heard something like this before. Mm-mm. I don't think Brent? I've ever heard it. <clears throat> oh, you have to check it out, dude. It's a very, well, it's very know, demanding. It's like six hours. Think. It's six hours. Yeah, you, you have to have like a whole, a whole evening or a whole day to do caretaker? it. Yeah, yeah, I'll link it to you right called, now. The album is called "Everywhere at the End of Time." I'll send it to you right now, man. You give me one second. I got it right here. Uh, Matt reviewed um, it for for us. Yeah, it's very, it's very, um, it kind of breaks you down. I I, can't, I have to say, I haven't listened to the entire thing. I've listened to, yeah. I think I got like an hour and a half through it or something like that. And I just ran out of time. But even that, even an hour and a half was, it's a lot to take in. Yeah, well, yeah, that's, yeah. Um, I listened to a lot of like 30, 40 minute albums, you know, um, even hour pieces, like, because I have a good, I have like a thirty-five minute drive to work, so I try and like Give listen to something new, and then something I like, I'm familiar with on like either way. But yeah, I went through a phase where I like I wanted nothing but like super super long songs. <laughs> oh, DSBM really filled the void because like almost all the songs are twenty minutes. Yeah, like, right. two or three riffs, and then I got into this band called uh, Bowl of Heaven. And they would make songs that were like hours long. Wow. Like they're known for making some of the longest music ever made. Huh. Like there's there's one song that they made is longer than the universe. Don't ask me how they did it, but they did it. <laughs> they made one tra- they made a song that was like super infamous for the longest time that was like two months long. Wow. Two months. There was that yeah, there was a dude who on YouTube who actually listened to it all the way through. Well, he had it playing like for the whole two months. <laughs> he was doing other stuff, so he would like he would always check back and see what's been going on with the music and what the changes were and stuff. So he documented that in a video. That's crazy. Jesus, yeah, that's Christ. insane. Yes. So you know, I've I've always had the philosophy like everything's worth a listen to. You know, um, damn, two month yeah. long song. Yeah. <laughs> is it like, like what what type of music is it? It's like drone. Okay. It, right. They're 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 the best way to describe them would be experimental because they do a bunch of different stuff, mm-hmm. but they're mostly known for like drone drone and noise stuff. They've done some okay. more rock more rock oriented stuff. Um, some of their stuff is just straight up random shit. <laughs> Have you listened to? Um, it came out. What was the release date? Let's see, February twenty eighth. Uh, a band called the Mountain King. No. Um, so yeah. yeah, there's this album that yeah. they did. That's a concept album that was like one and two. Well, yeah, there's you know, this is the one that has both tracks. Yeah, so it's uh, the smell of stars and vomit two uh, or one. The, the one version he broke it up into two song, two parts, and the other one he did it as one part just to see what people preferred. But it's a 49 minute song, 
Um, and the whole thing is a story being told uh, of this guy who's in a spaceship uh, exploring the universe on behalf of Earth. And I guess a meteor hits it. He gets sucked out into space and he waits to die. And when his oxygen runs out and he doesn't die and he can't die and he doesn't know what's going on. And he realizes he was never actually a person. He was actually an Android that was programmed to think he was a person. Um, and then it's him coming to terms with the fact that he's never actually been alive. Um, and he's drifting for, I don't even know how long, like a very long time in space and he loses track of time uh, and loses like a, an attachment to like reality and to earth and to all those things and becomes like a, I guess a psychonaut, like a cosmic traveler. Um, and then it's his journey of self-discovery in the universe until he drifts into a black hole. Um, but it's a, it's a trip. It's a journey. Um, it's, and, it's mountain king, right? It's called the smell of stars and vomit. Is that it? Yeah. 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 And it covers, okay. I don't know, like so many genres. It's, it's post rock, post metal. There's like doom in there. Uh, some electronica. It's a heap of stuff. It's very cool. And the song, wow, that, d- depending super, on like introspective, it is. And depending on what's happening with him in his mind at the time, the genre of music changes as he's going through different stages of like self-discovery and emotion. That's fucking insane. Oh my God. Yeah, it's very cool. I, uh, I, I'm a big fan of stuff. I, I rip it all the time in interviews, so probably too often, but I bring it up a lot. The, um, well, the guy must be inspired by uh, Blade Runner 2049 because there's a similar concept that happens in that one. I don't know if you guys seen that one. Have you seen Blade Runner? Um, I think I've only seen... Oh, yeah, that's the, um, that's the new one, right? Yes, I saw that. That was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, that's similar. Yeah, you're right. Because he thought he was human, and the movie is like hinting that he's human, but it turns out he's not. Oh, actually, spoiler alert for anyone who's listening who hasn't seen it. <laughs> um, you, can yeah. cut, you can cut it. But um, yeah, he finds out he's actually like an android or whatever, um, and he ends up dying. But like the whole point was like he li- he um, basically did everything that a human could do. He yeah he embraced being human, and he kind of dies like that. So it's Ryan Gosling, right? Yeah, Ryan Gosling. Yeah, no, that was phenomenal. Actually, the, the soundtrack and the sound editing on that movie was insane. I saw it at the cinema, and like just the mixing on the the sound. Yeah, it, it blew was my so mind. Loud. It was so loud. I, I don't. I haven't seen it. It was like everything was so loud and so like epic. Booming. I guess like the sound effects and everything. It was just phenomenal. Yeah, like it was like blasting. Like there's a lot of bass. It blasts in mm-hmm. your face a lot. Yeah, like when like spaceships take off and stuff or explosions and yeah. all that stuff. You're like, wow, I felt that. It was so loud. <laughs> Speaking of explosions, there's a part in the movie where um, Ryan Gosling and um, that other guy. Do you mean guy, the, 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 from the original Harrison Ford? Yeah, Harrison Ford. Um, they're, they're meeting together and then there's an explosion at the door of the window. Yeah. And there's yeah. like there's a dog right next to them. Yes. Yep. And um, so that gets blown up. Um, they get raided. Um, I think the dogs are in the dogs room. Like, how does the dog survive an explosion <laughs> like that? That was like on my mind for the rest of the film. It's like, how? <laughs> <laughs> Unless the dog was also a cyborg. Yeah, oh, that must be it. <laughs> that's the next. If that's movie. the case. Well, if that's huh. the case. Then um, Ryan Gosling's character should have survived. Should have survived getting shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's uh, that's I'll get actually I'll get our friend Matt to keep this in, but put like a spoiler alert thing right before this part. <laughs> I think there's 
I want to keep the discussion in, but I don't want anyone who hasn't seen it be like, what? All the twists are gone now. Yeah. Um, but no, no that was, both of those movies are pieces of art. I love the soundtrack. I, movie soundtracks I to me are very like <laughs> vital to a film's experience, even especially along with uh, video game soundtracks. Yeah. It's, funny, it's funny. We actually had um, – are you part of our closed group? Yes. Yeah, we had those, uh, both of those discussions in the past few weeks. Uh, there was a, there's one about video game soundtracks and uh, one about movie soundtracks as well. And yeah, people are pretty passionate about both those topics. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm actually trying to get into uh, composing and stuff. So I'm trying to get out there more as um, a composer. I recently made an official website that it, it has like, it details all my work and stuff, but it's also supposed to promote me more as a, as a composer. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping that will get me more out there in uh, film projects. So for those is that of you John- listening, yeah, Zeilnider was just in a video game trailer. Sorry, is that is that is that Jonathan Fraser Music.com? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We will uh, put those links and all that in the uh, interview in the description. So if anyone wants to check that out, that's how you'll find it. Yeah. I hope I hope that can get me some some opportunities. I still got a lot to learn regarding like actually making soundtrack music and stuff because I know how to make things sound good, mm-hmm. but it's, there's a lot more technical stuff to it that I'm very, very ignorant yeah. about. Well, I mean, like it's one of those things where literally anyone can make soundtrack music, but to make soundtrack music that actually makes you feel something in the movie. Um, it, it, that's the complicated part because there's a, there's a lot of generic stuff that people churn out for shows and TV shows, but then you see a movie and you're like, Oh my God, that soundtrack stuck with me. You know what I mean? And that's, yeah. that's the hot, that's the hard part. There's another band, uh, Colosso. They just did a uh, video game, um, soundtrack as well. Or part of it. Yeah. Have you, have you seen the movie, uh, Sinister? Sinister? Mm-hmm. Yes, I have. With, uh, I think it's Ethan Hawke, right? Um, think so yeah anyway that soundtrack as i i I love that soundtrack i've come back to that so many times it's got that is in my opinion the best horror movie sound best modern horror movie soundtrack i've heard i think do you want to hear something horrible sure i don't remember i don't remember most of it (laughs) the uh soundtrack or the movie movie. okay Uh, watch it again if you have a time and just listen to the soundtrack though like the some of the parts that they put in there like actually scarier than the uh what's happening in the movie yeah um yeah i will definitely check that out uh hereditary had a great soundtrack oh yeah a great movie too especially the theme of payment i was like oh my god it's like a joyous theme but it's like but it's more like haha the villain won (laughs) we um we we spoke to we had an interview um the last one we did was with a guy called um uh sean frazier and he is a screenwriter for horror movies um and he, uh, we, we had a long discussion about shifting concepts in modern horror film. And uh, I don't know if you've noticed, because this is what we talked about, that a lot of new horror has moved away from the slasher and the monster and all that stuff and moved towards, I guess, metaphors for mental illness. Yeah, psychological stuff. I exactly. Psychological. I, I like it, though. I think it's a more intelligent take on, as much more intelligent than, like, this guy has a knife, he's going to kill you type thing. Um, although i mean i love slash effects they're fun but it's nice to see something fresh and different and that's like hereditary the whole point of hereditary was about mental illness being passed on from generations in a family Um, well that's i mean you've both seen it right yeah yeah yeah. 
Okay. So, I, well, I, I mean, that's, that's what it, it's telling you or at first, but then you right. realize it's, it's, it's the cult. That was disappointing guess, to be honest. Cause I wish it was more ambiguous. Yeah. I like I like the, the fact that a lot of the film is like, there's a metaphor. The witchcraft stuff is a metaphor for the mental illness passed down from the grandmother to the mother, to the child. Yeah. Um, and then if you look at his, what's the, the other film they did? Uh, Midsommar. Have you seen that one? Yes, that was yeah. a great film. That was fantastic. Cloak did that. What was that? Sorry, Hacks and Cloak did that one. Yes. Yep. Yep. And I mean that there as well. That's that whole concept is about um, death and approaches in different cultures and within different people and their response to it. Um, another one that was just like there's a lot to think about watching that. It's very clever. I haven't seen. I need to see the extended version. I haven't seen the extended version. I, I want to. I've seen the original twice. I've watched it again, though. I saw the extended. Yeah. That, yeah, that scene. Movie was, sorry. What, that what was you unique, sorry. Yeah, that was a unique experience because I went there. I went to see it with my friend, and the theater was packed, and it was kind of mm -hmm. a rowdy theater. And that one scene, you know what I'm talking about? The, the cliff? Um, the what? The one with the cliff? Or, no, uh, no, not the cliff. The people were gasping at the cliff part. But the... Um, the group scene. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. With those, uh, the guy and that girl, and yeah. the whole the the whole theater was laughing. Yeah, same with my theater. I saw the cinema as well. Everyone was laughing. It was so it was so awkward. Yeah, I was like what like what's going on? <laughs> yeah, I I think people didn't know how to respond to that because it was a public setting and there were people around them, so it was like this is uncomfortable. I know, right? And then. Um, <laughs> There was a Russian lady who was like sitting in the front. So every time something crazy happened, she would say at the very end when there was dead silence, she'd go, Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> so that it was at it was at the level where it wasn't annoying. It was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, so that that was quite that was quite the experience because it was it was um it was so bizarre and awkward and uncomfortable to sit through. Uh-huh. The whole movie, there are a lot of parts in that that are uncomfortable for different reasons. Like that, yeah. that scene with the cliff, that was pretty like jarring. I, I liked it though. I mean, yeah. like it was very, it stuck with me. I still think about it. Um, it was that was pretty intense. Yeah. Um, if you've seen the Wicker Man, it does it does uh, borrow a lot of elements from it. I have, yeah. Yeah, another good movie. I mean, but do you like the original or the remake with Nicholas Cage? The original. The original. Yeah. Fuck the remake. Yeah. <laughs> The remake's the remake for different reasons. It was it was just super entertaining. The remake, like there's so many quotable parts from Nicolas Cage in that, like the bee yeah. thing and the scene yeah, with exactly. the guy, him in the bear costume punching that lady unconscious. Yeah. <laughs> like I love films like that. Films that are so bad that they're they're funny. Well, that's Nicolas, Nicolas Cage's entire career, basically. Exactly. And yeah, the thing is, I, I like, could... like he was great in Mandy. That yeah, movie. yeah, I love that movie. Was awesome. There was um. The film Knowing that was a that was another another one he started and that was a very that's a very underrated one I think I can't even remember that movie I don't know if I've seen it um, what happens to that one again It's the one where um, there are certain disaster events that are being predicted and Oh they yeah have to figure out they have to figure out how to get to them before they happen Right 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 Okay yeah I think I have seen that for a very long time ago I need to watch that again then Yeah Yeah but like if you watch something like Vampire's Kiss have you seen that one no, I haven't. Yeah. Okay, is that the one? Is that the one with um? Dang, what's her name? Crap, she's the girl from Transformers. Uh, it's 
you need to see actually Megan Fox. Six. Is that the one Megan Fox? Oh no, no, this is way before that. This is from mm-hmm. eight, 1989. Oh, okay. Um, it's like I made my wife watch it and she's like, This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And I was like, it's so good. <laughs> um <laughs> but I like it. It's it's this movie about this like I don't even know what he does for a living. He works is some executive in New York and he uh thinks he gets bitten by a vampire. Uh, and thinks he's becoming a vampire, but it's actually just him having like a mental breakdown. It's very entertaining. And he's, his acting is like, he's normally at about an eight with over the top. He's at a 10 within this one. It's, it's fantastic. Is There's it like a, a lot of comedy sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, I assume it's meant to be a comedy because it definitely is one. Um, I hope it was intentionally a comedy, um, but it's very funny. Um, I, I, I recommend it. And if, if you don't like it, I apologize, but I found it really funny. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to give it a shot. Um, one comedy, that, good comedy I saw recently, it was um, Idiocracy. Oh, I love that movie. I only watched that. So I liked it, but I was kind of let down because people would talk about how amazing and how um, on point it is with today's society. So I was expecting like this very smart, like meta sort of film that's like a commentary. Nah. <laughs> but it's like, it's, a, it's just a dumb, it's just a dumb, it's just a dumb, you know, comedy film. Yeah. About this yeah. guy who ends up in a world where everyone's stupid. Yeah. Like it's good, yeah. but it's just like I, I was expecting something. I was expecting something different. No, it's. I mean, it's a very, very basic commentary. It's just. It's very fun. I, I, it's just. I did. I saw it when I was young, so I didn't go into it expecting much. Um, so for me, I, I just found it funny for nostalgic reasons to watch it now. But I mean, there's there are some parts that are just hilarious, like the the Gatorade thing. Oh yeah, <laughs> the water with Gatorade, <laughs> and all the plants die. I don't understand. It has electrolytes. Uh, yeah, the ending nice. the ending was like the ending was like one of my favorites it was pretty funny and like the whole thing of how I'm you become president you become president by being the best professional wrestler i am game for, i'm game for that i'm a big pro wrestling fan oh really yes i am okay most of my friends are uh, i got a lot of good friends who are really into wrestling yeah if you you if you've seen the video for eventual burden i'm actually wearing a sting mask in that Oh, I haven't seen. Is that on the? Uh, actually, I think that's on your website, right? Yeah. Okay, I have to it's check that out. YouTube, I haven't seen it's that. on my Facebook. It's on everything. But yeah, right. um, Sting's my favorite wrestler. I've used. I so I had a Sting mask when I was like twelve, and I've used that in a lot. I've used that in a lot of projects actually. It's all worn. It's all worn out and cracked now, but it's still. I still get good use out of it. Okay. I was just to say, like we're in the comedy section. I just watched that uh, that Eric Andre movie. Uh, bad trip. <laughs> oh, was uh, yeah, bad trip. Yeah, I watched that twice now. Uh, Dude, have, have I, you I seen have you seen that one yet? I no. was dying. My wife and I were both just dying watching that movie. Like, oh my god. Do you know Eric? Uh, are you familiar with Eric Andre? Maybe. Name some films. Um, his. Not so much films. He had a show called The Eric Andre Show. He's, he's one of those really obscure dudes who's kind of famous on the internet for being weird. He got like a comedy special on Netflix last year for the oh, first time. Comedian. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's very, very meta comedy and very like out there. Um, very much internet humor, I guess. Um, yeah, Hannibal Burris is his co-host. Yeah, Hannibal's on the show with him. If you know Hannibal Burris. Um, yeah, it's hard to explain him. He, he's a very, very weird guy. Um, yeah, he he's uh, half black and half Jewish. Uh, identifies as both, and he works a lot of like that into his stand-up stuff. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, he he's very, very pro drugs. Uh, he loves 
he, he never shuts up about it. So he, I don't know. It's the movie essentially is like Borat, but it's him going around like parts of the US um, just as himself, but he's not famous enough that anyone recognizes him and just uh, making these really elaborate setups and really uncomfortable yeah. pranks <laughs> on, on random oh. people. Oh, Borat. Yeah. Everyone's talking about that. Yeah. It's, it's like Borat. Um, it's, it's, called, it's called, it's called bad trip. Oh, okay. Dude, you gotta watch it. It, it yeah. was, it was really funny. I was, dying. I, I laughed pretty hard. I, I, I was in tears for a few parts. It's very funny. And just like people's reactions, because like, you know, like how by the time Borat 2 came out, such a Baron Cohen and Borat was so well known, it's kind of probably hard for them to get genuine reactions. Oh, um, this is the case that no one knows who this guy is. So people just think he's like some. Yeah, pr- there was a couple scenes where people were like, hey, man, like you got to give him a break. Like, what's going on? You know? <laughs> yeah. And people are like, dude, are you, are you genuinely okay? Like, people thought he was like a homeless person with mental health problems and stuff. It's, yeah, it's. Oh, funny. it's so good. It's pretty entertaining. But, uh, I haven't watched a lot of comedians lately. Like, um, I was a big Louis C.K. fan for the longest time, but I haven't. I haven't gotten to. I haven't been able to watch a lot of his newer stuff for obvious reasons. He's pretty um, funny. Yeah, I like. Yeah, he is. Um, I was pretty disappointed when all that stuff went down. I was like, oh man, I like, I like Louis yeah, C.K. Yeah, shitty. it's just, it's just now like he made jokes about that, and it's just like, okay, they're not jokes anymore. They're not jokes anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was like my new thing. I might come back to him at some point, but I feel like my perception of is going to be forever tainted because of what he did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a shame when that happens, man. Like, uh, people get ruined for you. Like, God damn it. Like, why did you have to do that? You're so talented. Right. Um, right. Yeah. I, I mean, have I to s- get going in like five, five minutes or so. Oh, okay. Um, all right. So, what uh, other questions probably- do you want to ask? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a few that you could just keep going on and on. I think we're, I, I'm, I'm all right. I think we're just, we could wrap it up. I think. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go kick it over to you then. Um, well, anything that you want to uh, keep going on without me? No, I, I think we've uh, we've covered a lot of ground. Um, I, I just want to ask: Is there anything that you want to talk about? Like, uh, tell people about this coming up, or any projects, or things people should check out of yeah. yours? Yeah, like, what's going on with you? Um. So, I'm. I actually just did a cover recently. Um. It's a it, it's of an old '60s song, so I'm hoping to put that out at some point. It's like in the post black metal whatever style, whatever people call it. Uh, so that was a lot of fun to put together. I'm thinking about maybe doing like an EP or an album full of like full of covers now because I don't really have any ideas right now regarding new material. It was it, it was weird because when I put out "Heaven Is at Distance," um, I kind of you know, you, there's this fire that's in you when you when you create and when you have all these ideas, and then when you finally put it out to the world, that fire's gone, and you have to. Right. It's it's hard to find it again. It takes a while, so I haven't been able to find. I haven't really been able to find it yet. So I've been trying to find it in other methods, like doing soundtracks or doing this uh, doing this cover. I'm actually in another project called The Field Where I Died. Okay. Uh, we do like it's like noise rock sort of stuff. It's very White Suns inspired. Uh, we put out a new record last year called Second. Uh, everyone's busy with other stuff. It's an international project. We try to have new people on every release, so it's all unique and stuff. Awesome. So, so I'm just gonna throw that out there if anyone wants to check that out. Sweet. I don't know when we'll put out something new. 
Uh, I'm in talks with a couple friends about another project. Um, we'll just have to see where that goes. And the most recent thing I did was I put out a video for uh, Vengeful, Vengeful Burden. Awesome. Nice. And uh, you said you're on basically every streaming platform where people want to check out your music, right? Correct. Yes. And as far as social media, I can follow you on Facebook. Uh, you're on Instagram. You're on Twitter? You're on Twitter, right? No. Okay, you're not you're on Twitter. All right. So Facebook no, and Instagram. Fuck Twitter. <laughs> um, we only just got on it recently ourselves. I, I was trying to like – I really didn't want to get on it because I know so much about it. But I was like, oh, well, it really helps, I guess. The, the only good thing about Twitter is that it's very likely that the stuff that you post is going to get shared. That's the good thing about it. retweets make it very easy for your content to get spread around. Yeah. But uh, easier than Facebook or Instagram. Instagram's the hardest to get stuff shared, I think, personally. Um, yeah, it is. It's, it's not easy. They, they didn't make it easy. The only other thing I hate about Instagram is that you can't share links in your posts that are clickable, which I still don't understand why they did that. That's, but That's really dumb. Yeah, I, I agree, right? That. I know. I don't understand that. It makes it, it takes away so much of the practicality of the, uh, of the platform because – for me, I, I like Instagram a lot. I, I like the algorithm. The reach thing makes much more sense um, to me than Facebook's does. But I can't completely switch over to it because people can't link to the stuff that you're posting. Like if you put an article up, they just say, check the link in bio and all that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so well, that's the thing a, where if you have enough followers, you can have people like you can attach a link to your story. But that's only if you have enough followers. So I mean, do you have to have? Do you know? I think in like in the thousands i think oh wow yeah. okay interesting yeah oh well um yeah i mean is that basically everything for you i is everything covered um yeah i think so just nice. um just want to say thank you to everyone who has uh listened to me over the years thank you for checking out my music um i really appreciate your support and your words or whatever uh i don't know what the future holds but we'll just have to see Oh yeah, yeah, and we want to say thank you to you for uh, coming on the show and taking the time to have a chat with us as well. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, we try to keep it relatively light. <laughs> Don't get uh, <laughs> not too much of an interview type thing, more of a, a conversation. That's all we aim yeah. for. So, yeah. Anyway, thanks so much, man. And um, we'll maybe we'll have you on again in the future when you have some more uh, some new projects out. Um, hit us up and have you on for another chat. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Absolutely. We'll take, we'll take care. All right. Thank yeah, you, you too. Thank you. And uh, yeah. thanks to everyone listening today. And yeah, tune in next time for another one.
He gets wasted anger. He gets wasted by over time. He gets wasted space. He gets wasted directions. He gets wasted anger. He gets wasted by over time. Direction. It's wasted on your life. It's wasted.